All right. My guest today is UCI chemical physics professor Ara Epkarian. He originally studied chemistry at USC and Northwestern. Following a postdoctoral fellowship from Cornell, Dr. Epkarian joined the UCI faculty in 1983 and has never looked back. He is currently the director of CASEL, which is an acronym for Chemistry at the Space-Time Limit. And what I say is wow to that. I am excited to explore what this means at UCI. CASEL is a National Science Foundation Center for Chemical Innovation. It's very exciting to be here today. Welcome, Professor. How are you? Great. Glad to be here and to share with you the excitement of CASEL. Well, fantastic. Why don't you first just inform us a little bit more about what Castle is. I think it's been around for eight years or so. Please let us know. Yeah, Castle is a National Science Foundation center, as you said. It is one of these few centers that foundation has generated in the past decade designed to address grand challenges in chemistry. In our case, we are interested in pushing the envelope in what can be measured, seen, and manipulated at the atomic scale the scale where we can see the inner workings of molecules, but it's always space and time because molecules are not stationary. They're always in a dynamic state, and our effort is to be able to image them in time as well as in space to get very sharp images of motion, molecular motion. You can think of it as doing freeze-frame photography where you need a flash speed that has to freeze the motion on atomic scales in space and on atomic scales of motion. That happens to be rather fast. Atoms in molecules vibrate. Their vibrational period is of the order of femtoseconds. That's 10 to the minus 15 seconds. That's 15 zeros after the decimal point in order to be able to fathom how fast they go. Or they go about a thousand million times million frames per second. That's the motion we'd like to be able to record in very clear imagery. And of course, the scale is the Angstrom scale, which is about 10,000 times finer than the finest optical microscope can allow. So it's that challenge of combining the space and time limit of relevance to the molecular scientist, the chemist, in order to be able to essentially build the chemist's microscope to be able to see the chemical world in, in all of its detail. Professor, can you refresh us on the difference between an atom and a molecule so we can go from there? Everything around us is made of molecules. The air you breathe, table on which we are now leaning, yourself, your body, the door, everything around us is made of molecules. Molecules, in turn, are made of atoms. They are combinations of different atoms attached to each other through chemical bonds. If you like, the picture of balls and springs is very relevant to describe a molecular structure. And chemistry is designed to understand the structural changes in molecules by simply putting different atoms together with different arrangements in space, you generate different molecules. You generate, for example, water from oxygen and hydrogen. Hydrogen itself is a diatomic gas. 
two hydrogen atoms attached to each other with one spring. Oxygen is another molecule made of two oxygen atoms attached by one spring. If you break those bonds and rearrangement and rearrange them in space such that one oxygen is bound to two hydrogens, then you get water. And water, as you recognize, is the most important molecule on Earth for life. Without water, there wouldn't be life. Uh, we search for water in the universe to identify where life may be, for example. But its properties have to do with the particular arrangement of the hydrogen atoms relative to the oxygen atoms. Looks like Mickey Mouse, with the oxygen as the face and the two hydrogen as the ears. And it is constantly in motion. That dynamical state of water gives it its characteristics as the universal solvent, the fact that 70% of your body weight is made of water. It's because water blankets all the cells, proteins, molecules in your body, and without it, we couldn't possibly function. Professor, what was it about chemistry that drew you to it? I am fascinated by what I hear when we're talking about it. Do you remember those days? It was just, I was just thought it was interesting and you went for it or was there a, a particular moment? Well, actually, in my case, the particular moment happened to be related to light more than molecules. As an undergraduate, I was building lasers for my research advisor, and that got me hooked on the possibilities of using light and lasers to probe the chemical world. And that's what we're doing even now. Essentially, to be able to record the motion of molecules, it is necessary to use a flash with a very, very short duration. That's provided by femtosecond lasers. We use femtosecond pulses in order to record motion. Now, more recently, through the Castle Center, we have been able to implement those techniques to actually squeeze light down to the size of an atom and in very short durations to record the motion of individual molecules or even the inner workings of one molecule. And for those of us who want to be exposed more to this, I understand that there's an, actually an app for the phone through Castle. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, as a national center, we are very much interested in outreach and outreach to the public. And one way that we do that is through a game which is downloadable from many application sources. It's called the Bond Breaker. The Bond Breaker is a lot of fun to play with and is designed in the background to transmit the science behind our center, how atoms and molecules interact with each other, how they can be probed, how bonds are made and broken on the single molecule basis. That's the background of the game, but really, you don't have to pay any attention to the science behind it. Just play and have fun, and subliminally, you will probably absorb the essence of what we do. When Castle started, was it eight years ago? It was eight years ago. What was, and will it go for another couple of years or is, is it beyond that? Uh, it has a 10-year life. It will sunset in two years and then it will have to have another life. So when Castle started eight years ago, what was the big goal? Okay, so centers are built on visions, and uh, the vision of Castle at its incept was to develop the technology and the science to reach the ultimate limits of microscopy that's relevant to the chemical world, to the molecular scale. So we created an excess of expertise by having a dozen faculty members, 
uh, many of them from UCI, but also faculty from Northwestern, from Pittsburgh, from Utah, and University of Pennsylvania, who provided the theoretical, experimental expertise in microscopy, optics, in uh, ultra-fast laser technologies, in order to be able to build what we now call the chemiscope, or the chemist's microscope. It was a lofty idea then, because it had never been done before. But we knew that the elements were there. It was a matter of essentially pushing the limits of what we knew. And indeed, we are now at the stage where we can claim we have chemiscope Mach 1, the first version where we can visualize submolecular motions with clarity. And we expect this to actually flourish and blossom into a tool that will be in general use and applied in manufacturing technologies, in electronics, in molecular electronics, in atomistic engineering, wherever miniaturization leads us to be able to design better photocells, solar cells, and devices. For those of you who joined us late, I'm visiting with UCI chemistry professor Era Abkarian, and he's describing to us about the Castle Center. Professor, now that we're coming to the end of the 10-year project, are we done? Can we all go home, or are we just beginning the exploration? (laughs) Good science never ends. Good science generates new science, and in fact, that's exactly where we are. On a daily basis, we are discovering new ways of manipulating light and matter, and this is opening up new vistas for exploration. So while Mach 1 of the chemiscope is presently available, in fact, a version of it is available to purchase through a commercial company, what we call the photo-induced force microscope. Mach 2 and Mach 3 are on the drawing boards or are being built in the laboratory, and they will have lives of their own. In terms of the future, you know, we, we've all watched Star Trek and, and watched people's bodies disappear and travel. Is that just TV, or are there aspects of that in your research like, wow? <laughs> or is that just TV? <laughs> Oh, no, there are wows on a daily basis. (laughs) It's the wows that keep us awake at night, not only me, but the whole team. Castle has something like 40 researchers working at any given time, consisting of graduate students, postdocs, and faculty. Is that just here at UCI or all over? All over, the entire center. Most of us uh, cannot be kept away from the lab because of the unraveling of new science and new observations that only 10 years ago were unimaginable. There is, of course, some fiction in science fiction, but most fiction is inspired from science fact. And uh, indeed, there are phenomena at the atomistic level that are counterintuitive. It's the world of quantum mechanics. And in the world of quantum mechanics, it is possible to indeed be in two places at once. That's how, in fact, a molecule moves by having it be in two states at once. And we can see that in single molecules, the quantum detail of individual molecules brings out the quantum mechanical aspect, which is not readily experienced in our classical world that we live. I've recently become aware of that, Professor, 
classical versus quantum do they do they exist side by side or are they completely just different ways of looking at things the microscopic world is governed by principles of quantum mechanics to the extent that the macroscopic world is made of microscopic units, then indeed the core of everything is governed by quantum mechanics. But it's a funny thing that happens. Essentially, the electrons in the atoms of the molecules of the cells in your body are quantum mechanical. But you, your collective body, is classical. And that is a very profound effect of the phenomenon of decoherence, if you like, which we're not going to uh, <laughs> explore in any depth now. But indeed, quantum mechanics governs the microscopic world from which we are built. But because of the enormity of the number of atoms and electrons and their interactions with each other that makes a microscopic object, it loses that quantum mechanical nature of it. Nevertheless, in our research, when we are dealing with individual molecules, individual atoms, individual photons, then the quantum nature is very much alive and very much explored. Wow. You mentioned about an atom being at two places at the same time. Can you just expound on that just a little bit more? It's counterintuitive. <laughs> okay, so we're going into a slightly different territory there. The essential part to recall is that, according to quantum mechanics, there is something called the duality of nature. Particles and waves. You think of atoms usually as particles, but in the microscopic scale, they are also waves. You think of waves as collective motion of many objects, but in reality, single atoms have wave-like functions, wave-like behavior. It is from that duality of nature that comes the uncertainty principle and the uncertainty in position. It is not possible to define exactly where one atom is, and quantum mechanics takes advantage of that in essentially allowing a single particle be in two states at once, at least. Generates motion and dynamics and is the essence of what we are searching in the time limit of molecular motions. When Castle started eight years ago, you had lofty ambitions. We're eight years into it. Where, where are the lofty ambitions for the next 10 years? Do you have any sense of that? Well, for the next 10 years, we hope that what we are now doing with tremendous challenges will become commonplace. We hope that these microscopes that we are building by which you can look into the molecular world will be common, that we'll be able to make many movies of molecules. In fact, our inspiration for the immediate future after Castle is to build a molecular movie studio at UCI where we could have visiting scientists or users, end users, come to make movies of different substances, processes, devices, in order to have a better understanding of the world. Ultimately, if we are successful, and this becomes commonplace, our ways of inquiring or query into nature changes. 
right? as opposed to conceptualizing motions of atoms and molecules, you can see it. And seeing, of course, is one of the best ways of understanding. Right? What's been the biggest surprise at Castle from a research standpoint? Was there anything, any bedrock that you stood on that you discovered, oh, no, it's not what I thought it was? Perhaps one of the biggest surprises was our ability to squeeze light into space that's about a thousand times smaller than the wavelength of light. That was not quite expected when we first started, even though we knew we could focus light using um, metallic needles and uh, sharp objects. The fact that we can now confine light in the space of about an angstrom cube, which is smaller than one atom, was not completely recognized as a possibility. Now it seems routine. It is now a rather important breakthrough in the sense that our metallic needles that we use to confine light, in effect, serve as objectives that's about 10,000 times better than microscope objectives, about 10,000 times past what is called the diffraction limit. Up until recently, we used to think that light cannot be focused down to a size smaller to roughly half its wavelength. So for visible light, that would be of the order of half a micrometer. But now we have learned to confine light into the space of about one atom, 10,000 times better than the microscope. That brings up new principles, new ways in which light and matter interact and should be understood. That has generated a tremendous amount of excitement. It's, of course, the way we probe atoms inside molecules, but the interaction, its description, the interrogation of light-matter interaction in this limit is utterly novel. It was not recognized five years ago. Professor, where do you go to network with colleagues? Is Castle the top of the chemistry profession or are there different organizations that you'll interact with? Can you tell us a little bit about that? The ether. (laughs) We communicate through the ether. The scientific community is ever present in the ether and electronic communications, of course, have connected uh, all parts of the world and uh, the research excitement that's in Castle is of course spread already around the world and there are many competing groups from China to Spain to Europe to Germany who are pushing the very targets of Castle from different directions. The scientific community is usually awake 24-7 and uh, science is being produced all the time and we communicate through electronic means. What keeps you awake at night? What what challenges you? Is it just a matter of just deciding to work harder? What what boggles your mind? Is like, can you shed some light on that? You know, scientific research really is unraveling the secrets of nature. Nature is the smartest amongst us. We watch it, we learn from it. It's a question of interpreting it to understand its secrets. So it's a major puzzle that we try to unravel all the time. But I should add to it that what we are doing right now is part of what keeps me awake at night. That is, 
communication of science. Science not communicated is science not done. If a scientist knows about a bit of science but no one else does, it's of no use whatsoever. Spreading the excitement, reporting the findings, communicating in such a way that others can use it is as much a, matter, a part of what we do. So I'm hoping that your audience will be excited about some of the aspects that we're talking about because that is key to continuity of what we do today. How do parents communicate to their kids? You know, is there, is, is there, you know, we talked about the app a little bit, but that this is at your fingertips for exploration, that, that this is an exciting, amazing area that's accessible for as far as you want to take it. it. And you may decide to do something else, but don't be intimidated. It's for all. Science is, in my opinion, the most natural endeavor that a curious mind can have. And indeed, I think all two-year-olds are natural scientists. They're inquiring, exploring, experimenting with nature and internalizing and learning from it. Usually somewhere along the line in schools, perhaps teachers (laughs) scare them away from it. But that's the unnatural part that happens in the growth process. Humans are naturally curious, and they always try to understand the nature around them. So it's not clear exactly where we're failing, but there is a tremendous failure when one hears about the fear of science, fear of physics. Physics is basically based on our daily experiences, and it's difficult to imagine that one would be afraid of it. It's the unnatural thing that has happened and we have to counter it. Mm, I like it. Are there any events at UCI that can open folks up to science and chemistry? We have extensive outreach activities with school visits. We go out to science fairs, are involved in um, K-12 through education programs in our neighborhoods. In This is castle-centered activity, but also the departments and the university has a major effort in trying to excite uh, the youth, the developing minds towards science, and the public in general. But given the competition of the media, and uh, the glitz of what can be done nowadays on uh, screens, it's a tough competition, and uh, one would hope that people would recognize the value in being turned on through science, or about science, or using science, because it's everywhere around us, right? All of the technology that's generating all the glitzy media is based on the latest developments of science, right? It's the science and technology. So, To distinguish between the users versus the makers of the future excitement, one has to be educated in the sciences and not fear uh, what it has to offer. Professor Apkarian, thank you very much for being with us today. We have scratched the surface. We've touched on a number of different areas. I'm excited, and I look forward, I hope, to many interactions with you in the future and sharing with our audience the exciting things that are taking place. Delighted to share our excitement with you and your audience.